I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Jacob Ben, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. What's going on, Ben? Oh, the blinker in my car is out. It's a disaster. Oh, no. Minor really? disaster. So that means you have to... Wait, is it the uh, the right blinker or the left blinker? Left. 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 Front. Left front. Okay, so... You, oh, left front. Who cares? I care because now when I turn my blinker on, it's going a trillion miles an hour. You know, yeah, it doubles yeah. speed to right, let you right. know that something's out. But you're not going to get pulled over for your left... Front I'm still going to go fix it after work. Yeah, but I, w- I was going to laugh because you're going to be that guy who has to hang his hand out the window every time he wants to switch <laughs> lanes. <laughs> In this so, weather? No. But you don't have to be that, so, you know. Usually, if, if somebody's coming at you and you're in the left-hand turn lane, they're going to know you're turning left. You, you know what I mean? Good thing it's payday, so I can afford these these lights. Get out there. These I, you know what I found out about you today is that you uh, you have some car savvy. I don't want to, to speak for you that you're a full-blown mechanic, but uh, you can do some things on the car yourself. Well, are you just going to bop down to the auto parts store and, uh, and do it yourself? Yeah, I, there's one right by my house, so I can swing in there and get it. The uh, Let's see, the turn signal light mini bulb. Six ninety nine at AutoZone. Sweet, because you know what? I wish I had more skill when it comes to, to cars, because I am sure. I would have a similar problem, Ben. Take it down to wherever, and they'd be like, yeah, this could be $800. Yeah. And of course, I'd be like, oh, well. Well, we got to change <laughs> the light filter. You know, because, yeah, the light filter, we got to sync it with the computer. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, there's a unique uh, part here. Back-ordered. And, <laughs> and it, it took us three months' labor uh, to get to the root of the problem. So, yeah, how much you got? Because that's what's. That's what it's going to cost. So I guess that's what I'm doing. But you're going to spend six bucks uh, just because you know you're you're competent and a good worker. And I, I have, you know, like I have changed my brakes before a few times on my own car, which is the savvy that you learned about that I knew how to do. I have uh-huh. not done it in a long time. I don't know if I would do it again. I was doing it when I had a little tiny car that I could jack up with like a couple of bricks. You know, what and I mean? it was just your safety that mattered. Correct. And now <laughs> I'm like, you know what? If I get crushed, then I have to terrify my kids and and you know ruin them for the rest of their lives that they see a Honda sitting on Dad's chest and they have to call the police. Here's here's what I would worry about it if it were me. Uh, I 
I don't know about you, Ben, but if I go to the hardware store, I'm going back four times. Yep. Because I'm buying the wrong. Oh, thing, I did it with a bad. I did it with the battery. Luckily, whatever. it literally is right around the corner from my house. There Just, is a little tiny one that's right by my house. So, like, they recognize like you're going to make a mistake because this guy's an idiot because they can tell I don't know cars when I walk in. They're like, we will see you again in 15 minutes when you recognize you forgot which battery you needed to buy. So you guessed, and of course you guessed wrong. So just come on back and bring it back. Exactly. You know, I have to go buy paint today. And I'm sure simply buying one can of paint will require four trips to the hardware store. Yeah. But that's that's me. So I would worry that I bought the wrong brake whatever yep. from the auto parts store and just installed it anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like you did your back brakes, which you never need to do, as opposed to your front brakes, front brakes which you need to do semi-regularly. Yeah. So, I, you know. And then next time I'm... Uh, Coasting down from 18 at Mountaindale. You're on the runaway truck ramp. Yeah. So that that's what would worry but me. But I am excited to see which part of my hand starts bleeding. Because inevitably, when you're doing any project, you cut your hand. Especially if a car is involved. Because you have to smash your hand in some awkward angle at some point. And because it's 31 degrees outside right now, I'm inevitably going to cut my hand and it's going to really hurt. Wait, so. hold your hand up again. You call me the wet bandits. You've got like a, a circle on your left hand. Oh, what I did, had it on top of my coffee cup. Is that what it is? Yeah, I just was oh, looking okay. down looked, on it. It looked like <laughs> yeah, you, I did. You, it looked like I burned it opening up. Uh, uh, <laughs> A red hot doorknob. Uh, red hot doorknob. <laughs> like Kevin McAllister got me. <laughs> oh, right. wow. There there have been funny. way too many Home Alone references so far in this young show, Ben. I don't know if that's the thing. As but we get older, the, our listenership is going to be mostly millennials who grew up watching Home Alone. So it's going to make a lot of sense. I talked to a listener the other day that said that you did bully me. When you, you co- And Tim, who's going to be on the show at the top of the 11 o'clock hour about the whole Wet Bandits thing. I said, is that Ben a nice guy? Because that was pretty mean. <laughs> is the wet bandits a bullying thing? Is that a mean thing to call somebody? Apparently it is. You've taken offense to it for way too long. Well, yes. But I'm also very sensitive. Yeah, you weenie. Oh, wow. <laughs> sensitive to that, too. Megan, is Ben mean or what? No comment. Yeah. That's oh, yes. don't that's take yes. the easy way out, that's Megan. Yes. Call it out. Means mean. It's all yes, right. Means me. All right. Uh, we'll talk about the Jazz a lot today. Very interesting game uh, last night. We'll dive into that. Uh, RSL has a new ownership group, which now will kind of partner the Jazz with RSL. Yeah. We will get to that uh, coming up. And as I mentioned, Tim Lacombe at the top of the 11 o'clock hour and whatever is bouncing around that mean brain of Ben's. Something will come out. You want to insult somebody else? Anybody? Anybody come in your crosshairs? We should have a... Band. Yeah, should we talk about how bad the Denver Nuggets are? <laughs> well... Should we talk about that? Do you have the MVP on your team and you lose to a team that's missing their best player, arguably, in Rudy Gobert, and then worse yet, the backup center who provides depth. So when you're missing two players at one position, especially one position so unique, that is designed specifically to match up with the MVP on the other side of the ball, that they have to start Yudoka Azabuki, who's one of the most disliked players in jazz history from the fan base, not because of anything he did, but because his name is not Desmond Bain from TCU and didn't get drafted by Dennis Lindsay, that you allowed him to go out and have a good game. Doka had a pretty good game, not statistically, but sitting out there on the floor, he did a pretty good job against Nikola Jokic, and they beat the Jazz beat Denver on the road, minus three players, three of them in the top nine of the rotation, 
they beat Denver on the road when they had the MVP that was fully healthy and he had a triple-double. And it wasn't ever particularly in doubt. Okay, I want to I start, Ben, okay. apologizing to Wes on Twitter. At WesGolfer23. Yeah, I've seen him. Who tweeted me before the tip-off last night a screenshot and said, We going for the over tonight. Okay. Based on the end of our show yesterday. <laughs> Don't, do not take gambling advice from Jake and I. And I'd just like to say the last gambling tip that I gave on this show was BYU over UAB. Yeah. Yes, we did say so, that. So... I think I'm going to be off gambling tips for a while. Certainly don't listen to them. We might keep offering them, but that doesn't mean you should take them. Because you're right. Wes interacts. You know, we've come across Wes before. Seems like a nice fella. And I feel like I, I, I let him down. Do you remember what the over-under was? Uh, yes, I do, as a matter of fact, Ben. In fact, I'm, uh, I'm looking at it right here. 224 and a half. Okay, how many did we score? 224 points. <laughs> So Vegas is elite, elite at their job. They are so good at it, of predicting exactly how many points are going to be scored, that they were off by a half, just specifically to loop people in like West Gall for 23, to make sure that he uh, throws a couple of dollars their way. But I feel personally like I let West down, huh. and I, I'm sorry about that. And that brings me to the point, I have no idea how Denver didn't score 200 points last night. Well, actually, I do, because they're extraordinarily thin. I mean, they just don't have a whole lot of guys. But Nikola Jokic, how did he not score 40? I mean, you were running down Doke just a minute ago. There's no reason that Nikola Jokic shouldn't have dominated every second he was on the floor last night. And give the Jazz credit, the word of the night last night, Ben was adapt. Yep. And uh, they adapted well. They they did some unique things to him. They ran different guys at him. They doubled. Uh, they adjusted when he had the pick and roll going. I mean, the Jazz did a number of ni- nice things. But I would have predicted, honestly, and here's probably why I don't know what on earth I'm talking about. I would have predicted Nikola Jokic 35-plus last night. And just maybe the Jazz won, but it's because they outscored the Nuggets in some wild, wonky, high-scoring game. And that's not what happened. So, if you didn't watch the game, we'll give you a quick recap. Uh, the Jazz thought Hassan Whiteside was going to be the starter. In fact, they went through shoot-around yesterday with Rudy Gobert out because he had 102 fever with Whiteside on the floor, and the whole plan the entire day was for Hassan Whiteside to start. Then, as they got close to tip-off, his concussion symptoms started to come back. I don't know if that's dizziness, nausea, he headache, whatever. He couldn't do it. He couldn't play. So, in the last few minutes leading up to the game... One of the coaches went over to Yudoka Azabuki, who hasn't played a competitive game since November 27th. November 27th, basically Thanksgiving, when he was with the Stars and hurt his ankle again and said, Doke, you're starting. We know you haven't played in two months, but you're starting. And not only are you starting, you're starting against the MVP and Nikola Jokic, who might be the best regular season player in the NBA right now. So good luck with that. So the Jazz came out with, with him, without Gobert, without Hassan Whiteside, without Joe Ingles, and basically played Denver to a standstill throughout the entire game. It was tied 26-26 to after one. Jazz were up one at the half. Jazz had a big third quarter, led by 10 going into the final quarter, and then uh, were only outscored by four by the Nuggets, who have Nikola Jokic, who they could have dumped the ball down to every single time, and he could not beat either Doak or Rudy Gay consistently enough. And actually, it's not on it's not on Jokic. Jokic was fine. 
He had, like we said, 26, 21, and 11. Those are remarkable numbers. 20.20 rebound triple-doubles are unheard of. But the fact that nobody else on that team could do enough to fight this Jazz team off is is a pretty big condemnation on, on this Nuggets roster. And I get they don't have Michael Porter Jr. I get they don't have Jamal Murray, and those guys are good players. Also, neither of those plays, players have ever made an all-star team. So it's like, that was a bad loss. Denver's just in a real bad shape. And they don't have Mike Malone either. Michael Malone, excuse me, Popeye Jones is coaching the team. You want me to insult somebody, I'll call Michael Malone, Mike Malone. Uh, and they still lost. And that's why they're sitting at 18 and 18 on the season. Okay, so let me see if I can sum up your point about Jokic here. Are you saying it's easy to cheat off Bones Highland? Is that what you're getting at? It's easy to cheat off Campazzo? Yeah, Campazzo was... I didn't know he was on the floor last night. It's easy to leave those guys to double Nikola Jokic because it's not going to matter? Well, and good for the Jazz because they ran the same thing at Jokic basically all game long. They doubled him every single time he touched the ball. And personally, and this is why I'm not a head coach in the NBA, I am team never double Nikola Jokic because he's such a good passer. What he does is he does get... His, sh- his shooters around him involved in the game. And the worst thing you can do is give Monty Morris open three-point shots or Will Barton open three-point shots or Aaron Gordon open cuts to the basket. And Aaron Gordon was actually pretty good offensively last night, 17 in, points on 8 of 11 shooting. In the first half. In the first half, yes, yeah. and kind of disappeared in the second half. He did. But that was when I watched you play Nikola Jokic. That's why I would never double him, and I'd say we're going to play him straight up. And if he scores 40, fine, but I'm not going to let him get 11 assists. I'd rather him get Six assists instead of 11 and get everyone else involved. Quinn Snyder didn't play that way. Quinn Snyder was obviously right because it didn't matter that Nikola Jokic got 11 points. It never felt like anybody after the second half other than Aaron Gordon, uh, really after the first half, it didn't feel like anyone else on the Nuggets mattered at all. They couldn't stop anybody. They were giving up wide open layups to the Jazz. Jazz were getting out in transition. They were turning the ball over. Jazz hardly turned the ball over, meaning Denver's putting zero defensive pressure on you because it's not hard to turn the Jazz over specifically. Uh, And the Jazz ran away with the game, even though Donovan Mitchell was bad last night. Donovan Mitchell was 8 of 22, 1 of 9 from the three-point line, and only had 17 points. Mike Conley was okay. Like His plus-minus numbers were really good. He was plus 10. But he only had 10 points on 4 of 11 shooting and 6 assists. Like He was not brilliant either. So the fact that the, the Nuggets let Boyan Bogdanovich and Rudy Gay essentially beat them is, is not a great sign if you're a Denver fan. Bogdanovich beat them going 1 of 6 from 3. Yeah. Bogdanovich beat them physically, which is really something. <laughs> he had 13 boards. He was the first master of the glass this year. Yeah. Career high? Not named Rudy Gobert. I was stunned by this because this happened, it must have been on New Year's Eve. Maybe it was New Year's Day. It was New Year's Eve. He had a double-double. A double-double, yeah. And yeah. it was the second of his career. Jake, he's 6'9". Like, you should accidentally, at Boyan Bogdanovich's size, grab 10 rebounds in a game. You should accidentally, at that height, grab 10 rebounds. And he'd only done it once before. And then he did it on New Year's Eve. And then randomly, he did it again last night. So two of his three career double-doubles have come in the last four games. That's a good sign. Clearly, Quinn has gotten on him about having a little bit of a defensive impact. And if he's not going to move his feet, he needs to go and grab some boards. And that's something he's been able to do recently. But Boyan was terrific last night. He answered the bell. He played 40 minutes. He absolutely schooled Aaron Gordon. Neither of those two could defend each other, which was really funny to watch them try and pretend to defend each other. But Aaron Gordon's whole MO, his whole reputation is that he's a good defensive player and Bogey scorched him 
every single time he touched the ball. You know what I liked about Bogdanovich's game, Ben, is you know when other teams play the switchy defense, we, we get focused so much on Rudy, and I get why we do. But there are other ways to make teams pay for playing that defense. Yeah. And listen, if you can get a smaller player switched on to uh, Bogdanovich and he can just back him down to the point where he can hit an easy turnaround jumper, and you just do that over and over again, the team's not going to play that defense anymore. Right. 100%. So I, I liked that. When he got a smaller player switched onto him, which was a lot in the second half, he just said, all right, well, I'm going to stick my big backside out, yep. and I'm going to bump you down like I was Shaquille O'Neal until I'm close to the rim, and I'm just going to hit a turnaround jumper, which and, I could and, do in my sleep. And Rudy Gay ideally can do that as well. Yep. I mean, we know he can do that in the post, but yes, how do you beat a switchy defense? You just isolate against them. Okay, then you can't switch. Right. If I have the ball and I can beat you one-on-one, it doesn't matter if you're switching. There's, there's no switch to be made. There's no transaction there with defenders. So if you can beat them one-on-one, great. And that doesn't mean isolation, I'm Jordan Clarkson, and I dribbled the ball 13 times. It just means I, one-on-one, can beat my guy, and you can do that in the post. You know, you can do that from 8 feet or 15 feet. And if Boyan Bogdanovich can do that against a smaller defender and Quinn is willing to go big because not a lot of teams have a small forward and a power forward that are as big as Boyan Bogdanovich and Rudy Gay, if you're still going to have Gobert out there, you can actually beat some of these switchy defenses that way as well. And I do like that we've seen the post come back to being such an integral part of the Jazz defense. Because like I said, it probably hurts your efficiency, but it ups your versatility and you don't need to beat a team by a thousand points. You need to beat a team by one point. And if versatility allows you to beat a team by one point, I will take the W over the blowout. I don't care if you blow out a team two out of every four games and that makes your net rating look spectacular. Win me four games or win me three out of the four games. That's how you win a championship. That and that alone. I thought it was the most enjoyable <laughs> game of the year. Uh, enjoyable? That, uh, yeah. Because I, can, I went I in come along with that. zero sure. expectations because you just get invested in games. You go in thinking like, oh, is this going to be a win for the Jazz? What do you expect? You kind of set yourself up for like, what do you think your, what do you think your job is going to be like that night? What's work going to feel right. like that night? And I went in last night not really expecting a win, kind of excited to see if they were actually going to play as a bookie. Curious how he would play once he got out there. Curious if the Rudy Gay experiment would work going up against Jokic, and I didn't think it would. And for the most part, it did. I mean, I thought Rudy Gay was pretty fabulous. 18 points, 7 rebounds, 6 of 9 from the floor, and 4 of 7 from the three-point line. He's still at his best, I think, when he's hitting threes, but he had the best plus-minus on the team and felt impactful. You got to see Eric Pascal come back, uh, or Pascal, excuse me, coming back from his uh, the birth of his son. Congratulations to Eric on that. Uh, but it, but it was just a really enjoyable game to watch. I thought you got to see everyone kind of play their role a little bit. Last night was kind of a chess match game, for sure. To your point, which you was know, funny how, because Quinn was playing chess and Popeye Jones was just like, "Wow, well, ah, we got one identity, man!" I, and we're running with it. You know what? I loved Popeye Jones when he played. I'm not sure what his his coaching career has been like thus no. far, but uh, man, loved Popeye. Might not Jones. be a great basketball coach. And how do we know that? What sport do his two sons play? professional hockey players. Are they really? <laughs> He's got, he had one kid that was like the top hockey prospect coming out of high school forever. Like his, his wow, first that's son yeah. was a huge hockey prospect. That is funny. Wow. Popeye Jones. Who knew? Uh, but yeah, Mike Malone uh, was not there. So Popeye was there. And, and Quinn Snyder probably overmatched him a bit from a coaching staff standpoint. But I don't, I don't know what, what that Denver Nuggets team is really going to do. They can't guard anybody. And they're a one-man show at the moment. And you know what? Coaching really does matter. Coaching really is a, a huge deal. You remember 
the Jazz were shorthanded going up against the Nuggets. It was Carmelo Anthony. It was, it was remember Memo Kerr got hurt. Maybe even been when he tore his Achilles. Yeah, in the playoffs. In the playoffs, and the Jazz were going up against the Nuggets, and the Nuggets were fully healthy and should have won that series. But the problem was George Carl was going through chemo, and Adrian Dantley yeah. was the coach, and Jerry Sloan was like, "Well." Watch this. And Jerry Sloan, who was not known as being Mr. You know, Mr. Adjustments, was just like, well, I'm just going to coach circles around Adrian Dantley for the series. And he did. And the Jazz smoked the Nuggets because coaching for 20 years versus coaching for a week and a half like Adrian Dantley had as a head coach at that point, it's just a much different animal. And Popeye Jones has never been a head coach. And Quinn Snyder is a very good head coach and has been doing it for eight years. I'm pretty sure... That was that's the only time they matched up against Carmelo in the playoffs, right? Am I? Am I twice. Remember? It was twice. So I think it was the first one when they beat him, where Nike had done that huge uh, campaign surrounding Carmelo Anthony, yes. and remember it was like jazz fans rooting for Carmelo yes. or something weird. Yes. And then uh, the Jazz unexpectedly beat him, and Nike had to run this Carmelo ad campaign through the rest of the right. playoffs. Months later, it's right. like, wow, Carmelo was the biggest afterthought ever, and Nike's just running these ads. Because famously, I think that was the Carrillo Fasenko series, where he wasn't good, but he had like one or two games where in the fourth quarter he grabbed three offensive rebounds and got a couple of dunks out of it. And Jazz fans made their counter argument, which was like Nuggets fans for Fasenko. They like did a very That's funny, right. viral you know, kind of a reversal of that conversation. That happened with T Mac too in a uh, in a vitamin water commercial. Yeah. Where do you remember it was like a badminton commercial? Yes. And the Rockets and I can't. It was it. It must have been the Jazz that put him out because the Jazz played him in the first round three times in a row. <laughs> you just see T Mac playing badminton for the rest of the playoffs, right. and it's like, wow, he's been at home for quite some time. Uh, Popeye Jones. Going back to this, his son Caleb was the fourth overall pick in 2013. And his son, uh, no, no, excuse me, his son Seth was the fourth overall pick in the NHL in 2013. And his son Caleb also plays, currently plays for the Oilers. I don't know how big his kids are, but Popeye was a big dude. He was a big dude. He was I, a forward, so. I'm guessing that those are some pretty stout hockey players. Seth is, I can pull this up right now. Seth is 6'4", so he's a pretty big dude, 6'4", 220. Yeah. Caleb is smaller, 6'1", 195. I guess I don't really know how big hockey players are. Can you imagine if if Popeye Jones grew up skating? Can well, yeah, you imagine that Who, skating why did he at buy you? Him? And, and they grew up in Texas because Popeye played for Dallas. So like, why did he buy this kid skates? I don't know. Maybe his his uh, maybe the mother had uh, a background on the ice. I don't know. You never know. But it's worked out for them. I mean, they weren't NBA players. Six four maybe two twenty is probably not big enough to be in the league. Maybe they grew up down the road from some Dallas Stars yep. players. And yeah, the All-Stars are like a big team, and they probably played in the same arena at the time. Oh yeah, so there's some connection there. That's, that shouldn't be a surprise. Speaking of Dallas, did you see Dirk got uh, his statue and his jersey retired last night? I did. How do you, what are your thoughts on Dirk? I really did not like Dirk the first 10 years he was in the NBA, and then I loved Dirk for the last Why? decade of his I career. I always loved Dirk. Yeah, I just didn't quite appreciate the nuance of his game. I liked those Nash-Dirk teams back yeah, in the day. those were cool. I thought it was always crazy that Dallas traded... Nash back to Phoenix, although they ended up getting a championship further down the yep. line, so I suppose. But no, I, Dirk was revolutionary in a lot of different ways. Oh, I, you don't have Nikola Jokic if you don't have Dirk. Right. You know, like he, he had to pave the way for all those guys. I like it. You know, he came in, he played for one franchise. Uh, he was, he, he went through this weird, 
fiance scam thing in the middle of his career. Do you remember that? Where I his do. fiance was not who she was Correct. telling him she was. Correct. And uh, went through this weird thing, which he handled in a very like human type of way, because there's got to be total embarrassment. He was very, you, you know. I don't know. I just I remember coming out of that respecting him a little bit more. And then, you know, on the floor, he beat LeBron in the heat. Oh, his loss the first time to that was Dwayne Wade team. You remember infamously like walking off the floor. There's the video of him behind under the tunnel kicking over the the Peloton or whatever the exercise bike. Like he kicks it over and it was like very clear of like, oh, this series over. They're, Dirk is that flustered. They're not going to be able to beat him. And then, yeah, comes back, whatever it was, a year later, two years later. Must have been two years later and beat them, and it was a it was a great kind of full circle moment for Dirk. It was great for international basketball. It was great for the arrival of international players in the NBA. I I don't hate Mark Cuban the way a lot of people hate Mark Cuban. I think he's been fun for the NBA. He's, he's got been his, great for the certainly NBA. got his flaws. He's not run that front office very well. No, but he's been good for the NBA overall. And uh, that I thought that was a fun storyline. Jason Kidd getting one who's not a great person either, but it won a championship. There was there was some cool storylines associated with that. Do you team. remember when baseball froze out Mark Cuban? Yes, when he wanted to buy the Rangers, yes. and they basically said no. It's like you're crazy. Yeah, younger guy wants to inject life into a franchise and spend a buttload of money because it doesn't matter and to him. And the worst thing about him like, is that he's like he wants his team to be treated fairly by the officials. Right, like that yeah. was what his thing was. Like he'd get out after officials, or he'd like call out David Stern and send him tapes of being like, "We don't think Dirk's being officiated." Yeah. He was fairly. opinionated. He was loud, but he wasn't like mean. You know what I mean? He wasn't even all that controversial. No, no, no. He's loud. It comes down to it's baseball, and he's new money. Correct, Ben. Correct. You're right. You're 100 percent right about that. Which is funny. Baseball could use nothing more than new money. Yes, right now. baseball absolutely. needs an influx of Ryan Smiths. Yep. You know, Mark Cubans, they need a bunch of tech billionaires to come in. Energy. And we're revolutionizing the game. We're leaning into the the uh, analytics part of yeah. it, but we're going like, to make that a fun part of the game instead of a part that everyone's trying to fight. Yeah, they really need that energy. Instead of these entitled families that have just run them into the ground. Yeah, for generations. Yep. All right. Uh, speaking of that, speaking of Ryan Smith, uh, he's part of the new RSL ownership group. Yep. We will talk about that coming up next. Tim Lacombe at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point bell. Bell, bell. Jazz at 30 update here on Jake and Ben on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz coming off a road win over the Nuggets last night, 115 to 109. No Rudy Gobert, no Hassan Whiteside, no Joe Ingles. Still come away with win. Here is Rudy Gay on adapting his skills and role to fit what the team needs. I guess that's what it's come to in my career. <laughs> Man, I came in this league as a shooting guard. Now, now I'm a center. <laughs> but uh, that's just the thing about teams. Like, when you want to win, you have to have somebody step up and do some things that they're not comfortable with. You have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and try to make as much plays, do as much as you can in whatever position or whatever role you have. This update is brought to you by Five Star Painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with a five-star experience with Five Star Painting. They've got the time, skills, and tools. FiveStarPainting.com. That's FiveStarPainting.com. Who's got it better than us? No! 
coverage in Utah. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Five and twelve eighty, the zone. We'll get to the RSL news in just one second, but the news, NFL news, coming across the wire. The Bucks have cut Antonio Brown. Uh, here's the uh, the comments: "Quote: The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have terminated the contract of Antonio Brown effective immediately. While Antonio did receive treatment on his ankle and was listed on the injury report the week leading up to Sunday's game, he was cleared to play by, by our medical team prior to the start of the game. And at no point during the game did he indicate to our medical personnel that he could not play. We have attempted multiple times throughout the week to schedule an evaluation by an outside orthopedic." orthopedic specialist, yet Antonio has not complied. Uh, Maintaining the health and wellness of our players is of the utmost importance to our organization. Unquote. I have several thoughts about this, Ben, but... Okay, so do I. So, first of all, I believe them that they probably do worry about the health of their players. Of course they have to. You know, there's not a long history of them playing guys who have concussions or anything like that. Like, the Bucks are not notorious for playing guys into the ground or, or playing guys when they're injured and, you know, certain other players or coaches or teams in other franchises are kind of known for that. Playing hurt guys, we talk about Tom Thibodeau a lot, playing guys 42 minutes a game and not really looking out for their health, and it's not good for the team overall by the time the season is over. So in that sense, I believe the Buccaneers. I also believe he probably was hurt, and that was probably one of the reasons he didn't want to play, but I don't think it's the only reason he didn't want to play. Okay, fair enough. And we talked about uh, benefit of the doubt the other day. Yeah. But in in sports in general, this is, this is one of the hardest things to navigate, is health, pain, ability to play, because... And maybe this is me, Ben, you know, cutting my teeth in this business when Carlos Boozer was playing here. It's hard to say somebody's <laughs> not hurt. Yeah. And even when it comes to, to stuff like can you play on an injured ankle? Well, there's no MRI or, or you know, X-ray or whatever that's going to say, well, play or not play. Yes. It's it's all dependent on the person that you're talking to and talking about. And so it's this weird thing. The Jazz had it last year with Donovan Mitchell. Yep. It's, it's this it weird... It's kind of the opposite of the problem, but right. yeah, the same but problem. But it's you're this right. weird dance, and it involves a lot of trust. Right. And so when that trust gets ruptured or affected in any way, it can get extremely ugly. So here's my thing. Antonio Brown's released some text messages uh, alerting Bruce Arians about his ankle, apparently. Uh, and, and I don't know if we're getting into a, a credibility conversation, but I will say this. Anytime you see an official statement addressing something, if it's longer than a couple of sentences, they're probably in the wrong. And this is the N- this is the NFL. And you can say they don't have a history of this or that, but that's the NFL. You're playing hurt. You're playing hurt. They do it yes, all they do. They do. the time or they cut you. And because Antonio Brown is high profile, people are talking about it this time. But but talk about the players who are just run-of-the-mill players. They're, they're playing with all sorts of stuff because there's no tomorrow for them if they don't. And the, the NFL franchises go, well, we didn't know. Yes, you did. You just don't care. 
Correct. And Antonio Brown, everybody's paying attention, but this happens in every game. I think you're right about the length of this statement being a little CYA. It's a little bit recognizing that they might have Antonio Brown coming back at them, trying to get some of that money that they have waived him now, and it's non-guaranteed. He said, you know what, you're waiving me because I was hurt, and you don't really get to do that. You know, I couldn't play because I was hurt. And they're coming out and undercutting that argument by saying, we tried to get you to talk to somebody outside of the organization to play. This is CYA, for sure. So that's, I think you're 100% right on that. I think you're accurate. I am curious, and this goes back to one of the most controversial conversations about football, is what would guaranteed contracts do in this situation? Would you have more guys do what Antonio Brown is doing? If there were guaranteed deals, guys just wouldn't play? Yes. You think that? And which is the argument against guaranteed contracts in the NFL? Is if you were going to get your money regardless, fewer guys would play injured. Back to our Carlos Boozer discussion. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if you can sit out because you're going to get your money regardless, but you are hurt, then you would sit out. But these guys have to fight every single day for their paycheck, so they will play hurt to right. keep earning it. And back in the day, you used to go up to somebody and say, well, you're soft and you're not tough enough and you've got to go put the, the, the show on for the fans because yeah. they're paying to be here. And that doesn't work anymore. So now franchises don't really have the leverage to twist the arm to get players to play hurt, except for non-guaranteed contracts in the NFL. Also, there is a difference, and you know, I've heard this a lot, but there is a big difference. You know, you have a bad wheel on your dump truck, you're probably okay, which is your offensive lineman. If your Ferrari's wheel is broken, you can't drive your Ferrari. Like, that's a very different type of vehicle. Antonio Brown's body is a different vehicle than your left guard. You know, as far as, like, he needs to be closer to 100% to be able to operate at the level you need him to to be elite, and that's probably not the same case with your left guard who can play a little bit more banged up. So one of these guys at a different position who's willing to play injured may not necessarily mirror what you get from Antonio Brown. Then again, the problem for Antonio Brown is he's done absolutely nothing to earn this type of leeway, equity, trust from any organization in football. Correct. That's, and that's the but, problem. That's but, why this is complicated. But he's smart because you're right. There probably is more to this story with him storming off the field than just his coach telling him he had to go play and that you're done. There probably is more. But Antonio Brown is playing up the part you can't question. Ben Simmons. It's Ben Simmons. Correct. Yes. It's ab- it's absolutely. Say, I had a hurt ankle. I'm not going to jeopardize my health yeah. uh, by going. I, I couldn't go. Bruce Arians told me to go. I said, I can't. Right. He said, you're done. Right. I mean, you can't. I mean, because he's in the right, because it's his body and his health, and he doesn't have to do that. It's his personal decision. He's in the right. That's why Tampa backpedaling with this statement is pretty ludicrous, because it's... Do you remember... Speaking of RSL, we'll, we'll talk RSL coming up uh, in the in the 1050 segment. But speaking of RSL, do you remember when they pulled Gordon's credential? I do. Uh, over something he had written like months prior? To, right. I don't know. It was ridiculous. Because, but the Andy Carroll guy, who was the vice president of I don't even know what, gone now. Pulling credentials. Uh, pulling credentials. Released a <laughs> statement. Released a statement, Ben, that was like two pages yep. long. Yep. And it's like if if it takes you in an official statement this long to explain what you're doing, yeah. you're probably right. wrong. You ever had – your kids aren't old enough yet or like a girlfriend or somebody lie to you? The longer the lie is, the more, the longer their explanation for where they yes. were, yes. the more you recognize you right. weren't where you said you were. Well, you know. 
Oh. We found dinosaur bones first in the, you know, the 1800s, and that led to the, like, the more complicated it gets, the more obvious that they're not telling you Oh, the truth. I have a buddy. I have a buddy that will tell tall tales. Yes. And it will be like, well, it was a Tuesday. Yeah. It was 63 degrees outside. Right. We were here. Right. You know, it was a little cloudy. And just bury you with but detail. Like, Jake, if I'm going to be late to the show one day, be like, you know it, what? There's a traffic jam on the floor. There's a text that says, yeah. running late. Yeah, right, running late. <laughs> like, well, Jake, let me tell you about my morning. No, running late, yeah. scrambling with the kids. Yeah, I get it. But yeah. You didn't, you didn't, well, my coffee maker didn't start <laughs> first thing, and then, uh, you know, I had to clean up a you spill of Cheerios. I'm and not then. so sure Ben's coffee maker is broken. So, yes, you're right. The long lie ends up being the bad. The long and, statement. Yeah, I think where, you're right. Where they're like, oh, we have the health and safety of our players in mind, and, and it's like, well, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. That's why the Jazz email that they sent out, their PR email that they sent out the other day when they traded me Aoni was funny, because it was accurate. It said, Jazz acquire cash. <laughs> That's yeah. all it said. Like, we traded me Aoni, we acquired cash. Yep. The one thing you don't need to do is be like, me a man, we loved, we had great times with you. We appreciated what you're able to do, but we want to make sure we maintain roster flexibility. We got cash. Yeah, that's it. Great. Right. Rip the bandit off. Yeah. Sometimes that long lie is the difficult one. Yeah, the long statement. If you're in your third paragraph, maybe you should re-examine. By the way, it's, it's also worse for the people lying. <laughs> it's also worse for the Buccaneers here or whoever it is because it's so easy to go back yeah. and be like, well, that lot detail doesn't line up. That doesn't make any sense what you just said. So yeah. But the ironic part is is people that will people will look at Antonio Brown and not give him the benefit of the doubt like you talked about earlier because of his history, but because he's high profile, uh, you know, they'll talk about it, right? Right. The, the the stuff the the players that this legitimately happens to on a game by game basis. Right. Never get talked about because nobody cares. Correct. So the funny thing is, is this isn't about somebody's health or not, or whether they're wronged or not, because you don't, you actually don't care about the people that are wronged. The only reason people care is because his name is Antonio Brown. Yes. Let's talk about the backup guard that that right. tears his knee right. and is out of work the next day. Yeah. Let's talk about that guy. That's the guy that's wronged. Correct. For sure. You're 100% right. Uh, you know, it goes back to our conversation yesterday with Robert Whaley saying his son stabbed him with a knife. Remember long, explanation. long explanation. Long like, explanation. Like, well, the kid we had, I was washing breakfast. the dishes. Yeah, right. He grabbed the knife. He attacked me violently. I tried to stop with my left hand. It's like, what? just tell us what happened. He had a crazed look in his yeah, eye. Right. He'd been eating sugar all morning because <laughs> his mom was feeding him sugar. Lucky charms. Because we didn't get to go to the grocery store because his tire was flat. So I couldn't go to the grocery store, so we had Lucky Charms instead of Special K, which is what he usually eats. It's like, Robert Whaley, what, abs- what actually happened to your thumb? Bar fight. <laughs> Oh, it was actually, I smashed a glass over a man's yeah. head. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple. Bar fight. <laughs> You're totally right. But that's what I first thought of when I saw the Buck statement. Like, good heavens, this is a novel. You're right. Yeah, they're they're spinning. We care about the health. Mm. I bet you that's not the first player Bruce Arians has looked at and said, get in the game or you're done. 100%. And most guys can do it. Now, most guys don't have $100 million in their bank account like Antonio Brown probably does. Most people drag their shredded MCL out onto the field and yep. take a snap. Yeah. Which is not better. No. Necessarily. No, it's not better. No. Let's not pretend that this is anything new. We're just paying attention to it because it's Antonio Brown. Yeah. 
How much do you think Antonio Brown has made? I I I, I can generally ballpark his NBA career? players. NFL's I can lower. ballpark NBA players within like five or ten million dollars. Non quarterbacks are lower. There's no way he's made a hundred million dollars in his career. Trying to look at career earnings here. It's really hard to. It's also really hard to find in the NFL because they're like, well, you got a signing bonus. Yeah, you never know how much of their contract they actually make. Okay. NBA, it's all guaranteed, so it's right. it's easy. You and everyone makes the same. You either make five million or you make twenty five million. Yeah, right. There's no in between. Nobody's making anywhere in the middle of that. Antonio Brown has made eighty million in his career. That's not bad. No, that's great. Yeah, that's great coin. You eighty think, million. You yeah, think he so. wouldn't try to pay for catering for a party and trade? You know what? I'll just go ahead and pay you. Let me get my chick book. Shine some or sign some cleats for you. So Send them your way. You know, I certainly feel bad for Antonio Brown if he was really hurt, and that's where the line was drawn in the sand. Who knows what to believe? But I don't necessarily believe the Bucks either. I agree with you, but he is the guy who shows up to Raiders open camp and says, I "Can't play, my feet hurt." And they say, "Why?" And he says, "Well, I was running circle. I was running too fast." It's like, no, I accidentally froze my right. feet in the I chamber. Froze my foot. Froze it good. You know what I always pictured with that story? Did you ever see The Office where, where Michael's trying to get yes. an MRI, but it's Dwight who needs the MRI and he's yes. sticking his foot into the... Correct. <laughs> picture in that Antonio Brown with the cryogenic, like, let's just get my foot in and Antonio see if it Antonio Brown works. is the guy who would melt his foot on a George Foreman grill. <laughs> More next, Shake a Bad, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Just set the urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Uh, Tim Lacombe's going to join us at the top of the eleven o'clock hour, so stay tuned for that. Uh, got a little distracted with the Antonio Brown news there, but there was uh, big news certainly in RSL land yesterday. Ben, new owner, new ownership group actually, because uh, David Blitzer is the majority owner, but uh, Ryan Smith and really the Ryan Smith Entertainment Group, so that yep. kind of includes everybody, are uh, minority owners of Real Salt Lake, which, um, well, we, there's a lot to get into, I suppose, here, Ben, but I, I think yesterday's news for RSL was positives across the board. My wife, Ashley, and I are 100% committed to the state of Utah. As my partners and I look to expand SEG, which is the Smith Entertainment Group, it was clear that Real Salt Lake is an amazing asset for Utah, exemplifies the way we want to invest and be involved here, and David Blitzer is the perfect partner. That's from Ryan Smith yesterday at kslsports.com. Uh, and they're actually doing an interview right now. You'll be able to find all of that at kslsports.com if you want to see what the, uh, what the uh, president of uh, MLS has to say about it. Ryan Smith and David Blitzer are all together right now down at the stadium. So you can find all that coverage at kslsports.com. I do think, regarding our conversation yesterday, having Ryan Smith involved in this ownership group is a big deal for the state. Well, anchor it here. Correct. I mean. You've got local interest in the in the group, and I I believe Ryan Smith his his comment right there I think is is accurate. I don't think um, I don't think the Millers would have sold the Jazz to him 
if he had plans of relocating the franchise sure. or even wasn't uh, you know grounded in this community. So I think that's a that's certainly a positive for those of us that certainly want to see RSL here for the long haul. I mean the community, not to mention the franchise itself, has really invested greatly. Love it. Love what they've done with the academy and the facilities. And I I think that uh, I think they did a terrific job with Rio Tinto Stadium. I think it's a 100%. great facility facility. And so you know. Being owned by Major League Soccer as a long-term option was never going to be good for the franchise. This is good. They have lacked a face of that franchise for a long time. What, what's the matter with Leo? What? The mascot? Yeah, the lion! It's the face of the franchise. <sighs> oh, you're talking on the field. No, I'm not. I'm just talking about in the organization at all that's not oh, named Leo l- the Lion. Let's not drag Leo then, Ben. I mean. So, Checkets was the kind of face of the franchise sure. for a long time. When they were bad early, Dave Checkets came in and was kind of, we're bringing this new thing in, we're trying. He pushed really hard against the, the local government to try and get a yeah. stadium built and, and did it. A-plus job. Really accomplished his job. And then they needed somebody else to become the face of the team, and it was Garth Lagerwey, and it was Jason Christ. And Jason Christ was really good. He was a great head coach, won them an MLS team. Then they were able to kind of pass it off to players on the field because you had Ramondo and you had Beckerman, and you had a couple of people who could carry it. Beckerman was not washed late in his career, but you know what I mean? just wasn't a championship caliber player Careers anymore. End. Yeah. Careers over, which is fine. He was yeah. a legacy player. So was Romando, but they were no longer able to be the best player on the team. And they invested in some guys to, to come over and play on loan, and they never really became the guys. And unfortunately, the last ownership group was not the face you want to have for your franchise. In fact, became the opposite of what you want to have as the face of your franchise. You don't want the name around your franchise to have all these horrible accusations against them that force you to sell the team. So, they haven't had that in a long time. I will be curious now who becomes the face of this franchise because I don't think it's Pablo, the head coach. I don't know if it's Demir or the talent that they have on the team. I will be curious if it's Blitzer or if it's Ryan Smith now, or if either of those even want to have that gig. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be Ryan Smith as a minority owner, maybe. Because, because he's, he's, he's a huge face of the Jazz. Well, he's here, and, and so he'll he be is, at games and that sort of he thing. He is one of the major faces of the Jazz right. right now. Now, the Jazz are not short on positive personalities involved with the team. Locally, everyone loves Rudy. Locally, everybody loves Don. Locally, everybody loves Quinn Snyder. Locally, everybody loves Ryan Smith. I mean, like that, they, it is a very strong fan base. And then the other people around the organization, people love. People love Bogdanovich, Justin Zanuck, Danny Ainge. But they haven't quite been around as just the guys themselves long enough to kind of have that facial presence that you get from Quinn and Rudy and Don and now Ryan Smith. So I will be curious if... SEG, the Smith Entertainment Group buying it or Blitzer buying RSL, allows them to find a new face that they desperately need as a brand. Well, I'll tell you who would be best for them. I don't know if it will come to fruition. Messi. Um, well, it's not going to be Ryan Smith. If he wanted that, he would have bought the team. Ronaldo. Uh, well, you're right on the uh, one part. They need it. They need a star. They do need a star. They need a star. That's that's. That would be the most effective face of yeah. the franchise for them. And they've is got to Roosnack, find a they've baller. got Demir, they've got some good players. They really do. They have they some need, very good players. They need a Beckerman or they need a Nash they yes. need a national team guy. They need somebody that they can build around as a franchise and market. Yes. And David Ochoa right now actually is marketable as a bad guy. He's the Dennis Rodman of MLS right now, their goalkeeper who's talking trash right. all the time, getting involved with other fans. I actually think that's really fun. The hard part about soccer is that 
he's going to end up going and playing in uh, in Mexico. Yep. He's just there's so much money. There's so much more money to go play down there. So that ends up being the difficult part. It's a tough thing. I'm, I know Major League Soccer isn't technically a minor league sport, but the way it fits in the overall sports landscape, it kind of is. It's the drawback of a minor yeah. league sport. Yeah, and then they just go, they can pay them more. Yep. And you know, they can it, go play for League of MX and make a bunch of money. And then when they're about to turn 45 and they want to make a bunch of money in the States, they yeah. can come back like... But you know what? Ryan Smith, is a he's a big deal. <laughs> He's got money. He's got you know. He's got cachet. He can potentially maybe bring somebody to Salt Lake City, and that would be fun. That yeah, would right. be fun to have right. a true legend come and play in Salt Lake City. Under forty, under forty, someone who can help you win. Under forty would yeah. be nice. I mean, Galaxy have done it. They they found guys who are still maybe not their prime prime, but still close enough to their prime that they're making enough money that they want to come and win in the United States and get what comes with that. Get some of the advertising dollars and the celebrity that comes with it. Is that Zlatan guy still around? Zlatan? No, he went back. He didn't last very long. Didn't like it? Ibrahimovic? Terry Henry still playing? <laughs> no? Kobe? Remember Remember he was the first like he, good American player? He played for the uh, New York uh, Monster Energy drinks, right? No? No, you're right. He did. Okay. He bounced around. The Monster Energy Drink. Team of New York. Uh, you know, Ibrahimovic is in uh, AC Milan right now. Opposite of the Red Bulls. Yeah, I get it. No, yeah, I, I understood the joke. You know, it's, it's kind of like the if, if your official statement is uh, long, yeah, you're probably it. lying. You know, if you have to, to explain the joke, it probably wasn't terrific. We'll have to uh, catch up with Tom when he comes back from Australia or Andy Munoz and get, get, get some of their takes on MS. Here's the one thing I will say. As someone who is not as invested in RSL as a lot of fans are locally, people are excited about it. They should be. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. And, good, and you know what? That means Ryan Smith's done a good job as an owner. If him buying into your team, even a minority share, brings excitement, that means he's done a really good job as an owner. Totally agree. Stay tuned. Tim Lacombe going to join us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.